All right, good morning, almost good afternoon. We're 20 minutes away from good afternoon, but it's still good morning. Welcome to Foundry today. It's good to, good to see you. All of you are dead. You didn't get that. It's almost afternoon, right? And so normally you say good morning at church, but if I waited to the end of the message, it'd be good afternoon. Does that mean you guys are so boring and dull? <laughs> I told the first service they were my favorite service. And I told them, I promised them I wouldn't tell you the same thing. So I guess I'm doing the opposite, right? 11.15 fire, you guys are the worst. I'm just kidding, love you guys. In fact, go ahead and turn to somebody next to you. I don't care if you know them or not, and give them a compliment. Any compliment. It can just be like, hey, you're here today. I'm glad you're here, or you're looking really good. Whatever it is. It is great to have each one of you here today, and good, good to have you with us. And y'all are looking good. We're glad you're here. And uh, we're going to get going here. So if you got your Bibles, turn to the book in the Bible of Luke, chapter 11. Luke was written by a guy named Luke. Yeah, pretty easy. The Bible's easy, right? They're written by a guy named Luke. And, and he wrote it. It's the story of Jesus, all about Jesus when he came and lived his life here. We're being in Luke chapter 11 today. And there's the few words Jesus has for us I think will really connect with us where we are and connect to our lives uh, and what's going on in them. So Luke chapter 11, we're going to pick it up in verse 24. What's going on here is Jesus is talking to a number of the religious leaders, the Pharisees of the day. They're named the Pharisees. And he was talking with them and going back and forth, and they disagreed a lot. So Jesus is speaking to them. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 11, verse 24. When an evil spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. And then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house clean and swept up and put in order. And then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is actually worse than the first. Things ended up worse off in the end than they ended up in the beginning. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your love for us, your word to us, which is true and which teaches us how to live and how to love like you want us to live. I pray in this time you would open up our hearts to your word, open up our hearts to the presence of your spirit and change us through our time in this room today. And everybody said... Amen. Everybody said? Amen. I, I just, I'm going to pull it out of you today, one way or another. If you guys don't get with me by the end of this, I'm going to be screaming up here with my shirt waving around my head. It's going to get weird, so just stay with me today. You, I don't know if you guys like staying in hotels. When I stay in a hotel, I feel like I'm the fanciest dude around. You guys know what I'm saying? I don't care if it's a Motel 8 with roaches on the floor. If they got a continental breakfast... And, a, you know, a decent bed, I'm good. I love it. Because I think growing up, I never got to stay in hotels. We would always drive through the night. How, how terrible is that? Instead of stopping, anybody, anybody else's family like this, you wouldn't stop at a hotel because you just didn't want to pay the money. You just keep going. Everybody who's like, yeah, we had like three or four or five kids. That's all those families are the ones who kept driving. And so, so I, I love hotels, and I love staying in hotels. And this, this has nothing to do with what I'm about to tell you, but one time I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. That's good stuff. Holiday Inn Express in Texas. And with their continental breakfast, they had Texas-shaped waffles. Can you imagine how fancy you feel eating a Texas-shaped waffle? Well, one time I was, I was staying at a hotel in Mississippi, so no Texas-shaped waffles. And, and, I was, I was, and I love hotels, right? I love when you lay down to bed in a hotel bed, and it's just comfortable, and you have way too many pillows. You got, like, pillows to lay your head on, but you can really, like, put three back behind you and then put a couple around you, build a little fort, you know what I'm saying? And then you got a couple cuddle pillows. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You won't admit it, but you got some cuddle pillows going on, too. You got so many pillows. And I was feeling good, 
And it was actually a, a youth group event. So I was in high school, and we had a couple of these adjoining rooms, which is bad news with a bunch of high school dudes adjoining rooms. There's like 12 of us in a couple rooms. And so we, we go to bed in our room, and one of the guys comes from the other room just to say goodnight to us, which is incredibly sweet of him. I should have known then. He wasn't an incredibly sweet guy. He wasn't coming to say goodnight, but he said goodnight and left. And I don't remember much else until way later in the night, but what he had done is he had turned our thermostat from cool to heat and turned it up to 90. And so all night, I was in that in-between place of sleep where you're not quite conscious enough to know why you're miserable, but you're miserable. You're sweating all night. You're having dreams about being in burning buildings, you know, dreams about being in hell because you're so hot, and you're miserable, and you feel sick, and it's terrible. And that was my whole night was just feeling miserable up until about probably 3 or 4 a.m., when my brother finally woke up enough to realize what was going on. And I still remember to this day the sound and the feeling of one of those under-the-window air conditioners coming on, and it came on, and then this cool air came over me. And you just realize life is good. I either just died and I'm in heaven, or life is good right now because of that cool air coming across. And uh, and it was a miserable night, but, but I didn't realize until that air came on what had happened. I didn't realize until I came out of the really bad situation how bad of a miserable situation I was in. Now, for a lot of us in our lives, spiritually, it's the same way. I think a lot of us are actually struggling spiritually more than we know, but it's become our new normal, and so we've just adjusted to it. We've just adjusted to our new normal. I don't know if you've ever gotten an injury, and you just adjust to, like, being on crutches, and when you finally get off crutches, you're like, oh, this is what freedom feels like again. It's like you've adjusted to a new normal, So much, you forget what full life is like. Spiritually, that happens to us. We adjust down to just the new normal of life's going to be like this. I'm going to struggle. I'm just going to be under the power of sin. I'm going to do things I don't want to do. And we just start to think that's a new normal. Jesus here teaches us something incredible in this story he tells. He says this. When a spirit comes out of a person, an evil spirit, an unclean spirit, he's talking about a demon. He had just cast a demon out of a person, literally a literal demon. Now, we don't see a lot of this in America because spiritual warfare in America is behind the scenes. But let me tell you, spiritual warfare is real. Satan is real. Demons are real. And it's not, Satan is not some, some dude with a forked tail and a pitchfork. He is an evil spiritual being who wants to tear you down and destroy your life. Demons are real. But Jesus is talking about that. Some of us may not have experienced it quite like this. But Jesus says, when a demon goes out then the house can get put in order, right? And so everything, so I don't know if you ever bought a house or moved into a new house. Some of you are transitioning to new places as you're graduating, moving to new places to live, and you kind of got to make a house your own. I don't know what the first thing for you to make a house your own is. For me, it's none of the, the good-looking stuff around it. I got to have food in the pantry, right? If I got food in the pantry, I can survive most stuff. But maybe you put some flowers out in front. Maybe you, you install a whole home theater, you know, and you see, so you just get it just perfect. You get everything fixed up. You get everything painted. It looks all beautiful. You make your first batch of cookies. That's when a house goes from being a house to being a home. <laughs> Write that down for you taking notes today. That was free. <laughs> And so, and so it's just great. You turn, you, everything's great, and you clean everything up, and it's looking good. And Jesus said that's what happens in your life when you, when you get free of sin or you get free of evil in your life. Then you come to this point where everything's put back together, and everything looks good, and everything feels good. It's good to get settled into a new house. But then he says this, but then that evil spirit will come back. It's going to find your house all set up, 
He's going to go out and get seven of his evil spirit friends. I don't know where evil spirits hang out or what they, where they go to get their friends. But he gets seven of the evil spirit friends, brings them back, and they all stay there. And he says the condition of this person who was all cleaned up and looking good, the condition they find themselves at the end is even worse than when they had the evil spirit at the beginning. Now, what does this mean for our lives? I'm not saying you have a demon, okay? Just you're okay. If you're worried that you might have a demon, I think you're good. I think you're good. I know some of you, and I'm not sure, okay? But I think you're good here. But what the point is, is sometimes in our lives spiritually, we, we repent of our sins, and we kind of clean everything up. And a lot of us have gone through this, where we clean everything up in our lives, but then we find ourselves back where we were before. Now, now, maybe we have some sort of relationship with God. We're able to pray to him, read the scripture, learn from him, but we still find ourselves under the power of sin. And I want you to hear the good news today. There is freedom from the power of sin in your life. And what the power of sin is, the scripture uses a word, and you've probably heard it before if you've been around churches very long, the flesh. And when, and when the scripture uses the word flesh, the flesh, they're not talking about your physical body. They're talking about the part of you that is opposed to God. So the part of you when you're getting up in the morning, this morning, and getting ready to go to church and you're just not in the greatest mood, and your friend or your husband or your wife or your girlfriend says something, and you just want to punch them, you know what I'm talking about? Just that I want to punch you feeling? That would be the flesh, right? Because you know you're not supposed to punch them. And you just feel this sense of, I just want to do it anyway, right? And that would be the, the power, if you give into that, the power of sin in your life. And it's not just punching people. That's not the only sin out there. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul, who was writing that, he was an early Christian leader, writes about all of these different kinds of sins. He calls them works of the flesh. In other words, the flesh is the part of you that opposes God, but it results in things happening. And the the list he lists is terrible. It's like not something you want to put in your bio on Twitter. You know, not what you want to say about yourself. Sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, dissension. That's the Bible way of saying drama. And all these things, gossip, right? All these things that can be part of your life. And so a lot of times we think, that maybe the power of sin in our lives is addiction. And for, for a lot of people, it is. Addiction to substances, addiction to pornography, addiction to unhealthy relationships. There's a whole spectrum of addictions we can have. But the flesh in our lives, the power of sin in our lives is so much more than that. It's the cycle we get into where we can never live free from a sin. We can never live free from a habitual sin in our lives. So for you, maybe you think, I don't have an addiction, I don't have the power of sin. Maybe for you, it's gossip. And you just, you just can't go a couple days without hearing the latest gossip at the office or about your friends. You've got to share with other people. And a few of you are smiling to yourself because you know that person. Or maybe you are that person. I don't know. But a few of you know that person who just got to gossip, right? There are so many different sins in our lives. And they can have power over us. But here's the good news. I want you to hear it. There is full freedom from the power of sin. Jesus said, who the Son sets free, and he's talking about himself, is free indeed. There is power from all of this. Now, where does that power come from? Because God's expectation is that you live free from the power of sin. And I want you to know this. When God expects, he empowers. When God expects something of your life, when he commands something in scripture, he is also promising that he will empower you to live like that. So God never says something just to make us fail over and over again. He commands us so we can have freedom in him. We can live for him. So how do we get to the point if we're struggling with the power of sin and our normal in our life is just sin, it's that 90-degree room spiritually, we're uncomfortable, but we forget how uncomfortable we are. Jesus wants to give us freedom. How does that happen? 
In the same chapter of Luke chapter 11, if you still have your Bibles open, if you just flip back a few verses to verse 9, and this is, this is a key teaching, Jesus says this, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Then he says this, which of you fathers, all the dads in the room, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Now, maybe a rubber snake, some of you, right? Give him a rubber snake. But if, if your son asks for a fish, who's going to give him a snake? I said this in the first service, and then we had some dads who probably would give the snake, right? But I think all the dads in here that I know are solid dads. You're going to give the fish, not the snake. And he says, what if your son asks for an egg? Are you just going to give him a scorpion? I don't know. The snakes are scary to me, but scorpions are terrifying to me. I've only seen them in like movies where they're giant scorpions in like fantasy movies. And so I know in reality, scorpions are this big. In my mind, they're like 12 feet, you know? So scorpions terrify me. So he says, which of you dads, if your son asks for an egg, is going to give him a scorpion? And what he's saying is, none of you, you're not going to threaten your son's life. You dads, you might not be the best gift givers, but you're not the worst gift givers, right? But then he says this, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So if you dads are able to understand what your kid needs and give your child that, if you moms are able to do that, then how much more is our heavenly father able to do that? Now, some of us are just bad at gift giving. Anybody here willing to admit I'm bad at gift giving? That's not a work of the flesh. You can raise your hand. Yeah, it's not a work of the flesh. Some people think it is. I'm terrible at gift giving. I'm so bad. I want to be good. I really care about you. I just forget to get you a gift until the night before and Walmart's the only place that's open. And then you're like, hey, let's see what we can find at Walmart, you know? Here's a plunger, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. That's all I've got. My dad had a birthday three days ago and four days ago, three days ago. He had a birthday three days ago. This is why I'm bad at giving gifts. He had a birthday three, three days ago, and my mom understands that her five sons are not going to treat their dad right. So she literally would text us things he wanted, and not just names of things he wanted. She would text us links to Amazon where we could buy them. And with me, she texted a link, and she said, hey, who wants to get this? I said, oh, I'll get that. But it was on Amazon. She's got Amazon Prime. I don't. So I said, hey, Mom, thanks for the suggestion. Can you buy that for him for me? And she did. And this is the greatest thing. We go in to give the gifts, and she actually slips me the bag. And so I get to walk in with the bag to where it looks like I'm the great son. Here's the best part about it. My other brothers ordered the gifts on their own. My mom didn't, and theirs didn't get there on time. Guess who's going to get a better inheritance now? You know what I'm saying? I'm a terrible gift giver, but I got, I got a mom, so it's all taken care of. But for so many of us, we may not be great gift givers, but we, we can at least, if someone asks for something, get it for them. This is what Jesus says. If you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he will give it to you. If you ask the Father to give a good gift to you because you know you need help, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. This is good news because if we're wrestling with the power of sin, if we have our home is all set in order and it's empty, we need someone to fill it. So when this evil spirit comes back, when the flesh comes back, we've got someone to help us, the spirit of God. But a lot of us hear this, and I want to be really honest here because I don't like preaching things without connecting it back to our lives. A lot of us have prayed over and over again, God help me, and we're still wrestling with the same thing. A lot of us have prayed over and over again, God, just transform my life. And maybe it works for a little while, but two weeks later, we find ourselves back in the same place. A lot of us really, I really do think, really want God to be fully in control of our lives, 
to fully transform who we are. But then we find ourselves back in the same place. And this is frustrating because you might have been one of these people who's been baptized 12 times at 12 different youth retreats. And you've, you've prayed a prayer 50 times to be saved and you're still not sure if you are. And you've asked God to come in and help you in your sin and your situation over and over again. And you step back and you think, but I'm still stuck in it. And here's what it can do. It can lead us to doubt. It can lead us to uh, hopelessness. It can lead us to think God can't actually take care of our problem. And we just stay in that room that's 90 degrees. We just stay there. We don't think there's another way. We don't know there's another way. I want to tell you today, through the Holy Spirit in your life, you can be freed of any sin in your life. I want you to hear that. Through the Holy Spirit working in your life, you can be freed of any sin, every sin in your life. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. So I, I, want us to, I want to talk about three reasons why you may have not experienced, even though you have prayed and asked for the Holy Spirit, why you may not have experienced the Holy Spirit in your life. Reason number one is we don't make room for the Holy Spirit. We just say, hey, Holy Spirit, come in, but we're not willing to change anything about our life to make room. And you've got to learn this about God. God doesn't like to share power because he is God. And so what happens is we say, God, come on in. I'd love to have you around. Can you follow me like a puppy? And every time I want to call you, I can say, oh, Holy Spirit, how cute. This is great. And then go back to doing my own thing. That's what we want. And so often we don't experience God's presence and his power through his spirit in our lives because we don't make room for him. We invite him without making room. It's like inviting a friend to show up and then they come inside and you're like, whoops, you know, I've got no room for you. See you later. That's what we do with the spirit. The second reason I think why a lot of us wrestle and, and don't find freedom, even though we've asked for the Holy Spirit, is we don't follow directions. So we, for some reason we think, Holy Spirit, come in. I want you to come in. But as soon as the Holy Spirit starts telling us something, and we often experience this either through reading it in the Bible and him telling it to us or feeling the conviction of God. I need to change something. I need to do something differently. We ignore the Holy Spirit. It's like me and my phone, right? I, I pull it out. I put the punch in the GPS. And, and my phone knows everything I've realized. It's, it's freaky. It's spooky. Last night I had an ad for something I've never searched. I've never clicked on. Something very specific. But I had a conversation about it two days ago. And the ad popped up last night. Is that not freaky to anybody else? You guys are normal to it. You're like, no, we welcome our shadowy dark overlords. Okay, that's, that's fine. You guys can be weird like that. But, but my phone knows stuff. And when it comes to directions, it knows because of the data from everyone else's phones where there's, there's detours and problems and things like that. So I'll pull out my phone to find the fastest way around town. It'll tell me to go some, some big way around. I think, this phone doesn't know anything. I know the fastest way to get there. And so I try to go my way, and I'm doing a U-turn about 10 minutes later. I'm turning back around. But, but every time I think I can do it, I can't. Same way with us and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's always listening, and he always knows. But also, he's got directions for your life. And often, we stop and think, oh, I, I can do it myself. I know the way. I've been through this before. But if the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do something, you've got to listen to him. So, so the first reason I think the Holy Spirit doesn't always move like we expect him to when we ask him is because we don't make room. And then we don't follow directions. And here's the third thing. We don't persevere. A lot of us want a quick fix. We want microwave Jesus. We want the Holy Spirit to show up instantly. Instapot Jesus. Right? Just come in and my food's ready in 20 minutes. Have you guys used an Instapot? It's incredible. You put a piece of frozen meat in there and 20 minutes later you can eat it. It's amazing. And we want the same thing with the Holy Spirit in our lives. But here's what the Holy Spirit knows. A lot of times what happens while we're waiting and asking is the real victory. 
He's working in our lives before we see it. And by the time we see it, what we see is actually what he's been doing all along. And so persevere. And I want to speak especially to the people in this room, probably 35 and under. Our generations are terrible at persevering. Now, other generations have their other issues. They left us a screwed up world. We'll blame them for that. But we're terrible at persevering in the screwed up world. And we're terrible about sticking with it. And it's so easy for us to start something and then stop when it gets really hard. And this is especially true spiritually. We start and we push and then we hit it and it doesn't work out and we hit a wall and we just stop. And I want to encourage you today. If you are at that point where you're thinking about giving up, persevere. It is worth it. And God will honor that. So if, if you've tried to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and it hasn't worked, I want to encourage you that he can and he will. Jesus did enough on the cross to end sin in your life forever. He has already overcome death. He has overcome sin. He has overcome the enemy. And he has done everything you need to be free from the cycles of sin in your life. He has done everything that he needs to do to free you. And so now we've got to start asking, what do we have to do to participate in that? So I want us to look here at three things, three simple, simple things that we can do that will allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. If you want to be freed from the cycle of sin, you need God's spirit to move into your life. The first thing you need to do is ask him. Now, Jesus said this already, right? The Holy Spirit, if you ask the Father, he'll send the Holy Spirit into your life. Sometimes, though, we ask once and we quit and we're just done. But Jesus told a story in the Bible. He said this. There was a lady, and she, she wanted justice. She wanted justice for things that had been done wrong to her. So she went to the judge, and the judge didn't do anything because he just was a terrible judge. She should have voted him out of office last election. She didn't know, so she didn't vote him out. None of us know judgeships, right? When you go to vote for judges, you're like, I don't know who that is, and you just vote anyway. So she didn't vote him out of office, so he's still there. He's a bad judge. And so what she does is she comes to him every single day. And keeps coming back and saying, give me justice, give me justice. And I just imagine that she had one of those voices that just could pierce any window and any wall. And he's standing outside, or she's standing outside of his house just saying, give me justice, over and over again. And eventually it says this, he did the right thing. Not because he cared about the right thing, but because she was so stinking annoying. And this is what Jesus says, keep going to the Father. And this is the only time I know of in the Bible where we are given permission to be annoying. Jesus said, be annoying with God. If you're going to God, be annoying with him. Keep asking him for the Holy Spirit. Keep coming to him over and over again. Don't give up. So ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life to free you. Here's the second thing. Make room in your life. How do you do this? You have to kick the flesh out. The flesh is the part of you opposed to God. So imagine it's like this. You're driving an Uber and you pull up to pick up somebody in your Uber, and it's actually the Holy Spirit. You didn't realize it, but you're picking up the Holy Spirit, so you better shape up. And you pull up to pick up the Holy Spirit, and you say, hey, Holy Spirit, thanks for riding Uber today, or whatever they say, and jump in the back. And he goes to jump in the back, and it's full of people already. And the only seat available is that back seat on the hump. You know what I'm talking about? The hump seat in your back, in the back of your car, and just the middle seat, and there's no room left. There's two really big dudes back there, and that's your flesh. And you say, Holy Spirit, why don't you hop in the middle of all that? Have fun with those dudes back there. He won't do it because you haven't made room. What you got to do is this. Holy Spirit, why don't you hop in the driver's seat? I'll hop in the passenger seat. 
why don't you crank that thing up to 90? In fact, you're, you're God, so why don't you just make us go 300 miles an hour, and then I'm going to toss the flesh out the window, and then we're going to turn around, and we're going to ride over them multiple times. <laughs> That's what the Bible says to do to the flesh. In Galatians 5, it says, crucify the flesh, which is way nastier than that. It's actually taking someone, driving stuff through their hands, hanging them up so they suffocate eventually on their own uh, liquid in their lungs after about 24 hours. That's nasty, okay? So just tossing, some, tossing the flesh out the window and driving over it is okay. And so Jesus said, Jesus said this once, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cut off, right? In other words, if there's something, no one actually go cut off your hand today, please. I'd, be, I'd feel terrible if everyone came back next week to raise their hands in worship. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so no, actually, what, what Jesus was saying, though, is if there's something in your life that's leading you, that's enabling sin in your life, do whatever it takes to get rid of that. For some of us here today, it's a relationship. There's a relationship, a friendship, maybe a romantic relationship that's leading us into sin regularly, habitually into sin. And what you need to do is lovingly, gently take a step back from that relationship. Remove yourself from that relationship. Maybe it's a place. You end up in the same place over and over again and you make mistakes, decisions, and you sin, remove yourself from that place. Maybe it's actually a place online, a website, or somewhere you go, uh, maybe it's Instagram, maybe an app on your phone that leads you into sin. Do whatever it takes to remove that from your life. So in order for the spirit to have room to work, you've got to remove some of these things from your life. Here's the third thing. So ask him, make room for him by kicking your flesh out. Here's the final thing. Follow the spirit's leading step by step. A lot of times you think this, I do feel like God's asking me to do this, but it's really small. So I'm going to go do my own thing for a little while. But when I get done doing my own thing, I'm going to come back and I'm really going to follow him. I'm just not going to follow him at this little point. Let me tell you, the battle is won or lost spiritually at the point of the spirit asking you to do something, no matter how small. If you want to be free from the big power of sin in your life, start following God at the smallest level when he asks you to do it. If you want to find full freedom and full victory in your life, start saying yes when he asks you to do the small thing. When the Spirit of God prompts you to do something, that's the creator of the universe speaking to you, asking you to follow him, welcoming you into a relationship. And every time you say no, you are pushing God away and you're pushing yourself deeper into sin. So follow God even at the smallest point. Because when the Spirit prompts you to do something, He will empower you to carry it through. One of the best ways of doing this is to start reading your Bible. And when you read it and you come across something and you feel like the Spirit says this is for you, or you come across something and you see, Bible says this, but my life is right here. I need to come to that point. That is the Spirit speaking to you. Can I tell you, I'm a pastor. I went to school for years to train to be a pastor. And I have never heard... God speak audibly to me. I know we have people here with testimonies about that. Praise God for that. He's never spoken audibly for me. Only, uh, there's a limited number of times I felt very clearly his prompting in a moment to do something specific. Most of the time when the Spirit speaks to me, it is through his word. And I read something and I say, that's, that's the Spirit. That's God speaking to me. I know it is because it's in the Bible. And let me tell you what, what the Bible tells to us. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. The Bible tells us if, if you just set everything in order in your life, but you're not filled with the Spirit, then you're opening yourself back up to everything coming back into your life. The Bible says, though, if you ask God and to send the Holy Spirit to you, he will do it. 
He will empower you. He will equip you. He will break the power of sin in your life. And that's what God says to you. So as you're looking at your life and you're feeling yourself under the power of sin, you're feeling yourself wrestling with something, there's no shame in that because Christ has come to free you from it. There's no shame in that. There's, the power of it really is no power when Jesus has full control. And I, and I don't say that flippantly because I know that, and I don't know all your stories, but I know some people are really wrestling with serious stuff here. But I want to tell you that our God is bigger. Our God can take on whatever is in your life. So don't put up with living a life that isn't living in a 90-degree room. God wants to bring you into the fullness of the beauty of his life. This has been true in my life. I want to tell you. Uh, sometimes I, I'm careful about what I say as far as my own spiritual journey. Um, but I can say this. Through God's spirit living in me, he has fully freed me from the power of sin in my life. Does not mean I never will sin or that I never do sin. What it means is sin and the flesh have no control over me. No, I don't say that standing up here saying, look at me, look what I have accomplished. That's not it at all. Because I tried for years to free myself from the flesh, for years to free myself from the power of sin. And it only changed when God did something, almost when I wasn't looking for it. But what I, what I realized, and I said this earlier, he was doing work behind the scenes as I persevered and kept asking, God finally sent his spirit into my life so fully where there's not room for sin to have power anymore. And what I've got to keep doing is every single day making sure I'm leaving room for him in my life. Every single day making sure I follow him. But I want to encourage you. I didn't say that at the first service, but I feel like I needed to say it here. If, if some of you are wrestling with the power of sin, and know there's, there's a lot of us who are, you can find full freedom from that. Full freedom in Christ. It all starts with asking the Spirit to come into your life. So let's go to prayer together right now. And, and if, if you are here, we're not going to raise hands today. I want this to be between you and God. But if you are here and you are wrestling with the power of sin, if you feel at times bound to do things you don't want to do, and you're not sure why, that is the power of sin, that's the flesh. And Jesus has come to free you from that. And so maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's a substance you're addicted to. Maybe it's something else entirely. Maybe you just find yourself gossiping over and over again. You find yourself continually failing, continually losing your temper and mistreating people, failing to love people. Whatever that constant sin in your life is, or that group of constant sins, let me tell you, Jesus wants to free you and bring you out of it, bring you into full freedom in him. So if, if this is you, if any of that resonates, I want you right now, if, if this is your desire to ask the Holy Spirit to come in, Ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit into your life. If he's speaking to you, if he's raising up some issues in your life, it's because God wants to free you from them. And I want you, as you're talking to the Father and talking to the Spirit and talking to Jesus, just invite God to fully free you from that. Ask him to seek that. And then as you're doing that, here's the second thing. I want you to tell God that you are making room and tell him exactly what you're going to do this week to make room in your life for him. So ask the Holy Spirit to come. Tell him how you're going to make room. And then finally, tell him that you're going to follow him as he speaks to you. And mean it if you, if you say it. And as you go out this week, the Spirit's going to lead you. Let me pray over you today. As you keep praying in your heart, Father, I know we have people here who are wrestling, 
who are fighting back against sin in their lives. And Father, I pray that you would give them freedom today by your spirit, overcome whatever's in their life that's holding them back. Give them freedom right now. Give them freedom this coming week. Give them freedom this coming month. Fully free them from whatever is holding them back. I pray this in your name, Jesus, through the power of the Spirit. Amen.